Take your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 34 tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number 34. Very end of uh, the life of Moses. Ooh, I am warm. There's a reason I wear a, a uh, polo with the teenagers on Wednesday nights, and that's because uh, putting a shirt and tie on and a jacket on if we're playing a bunch of volleyball and stuff doesn't work well for me. So, Deuteronomy chapter number 34. I got a question for all of us tonight. <clears throat> Are you replaceable? You know, I had all this all set. I was trying to get the projector ready to go tonight and uh, had a little issue with the computer and everything when I came in, and so I got a ladder out. And as I was doing that, somebody told two other people they were both replaceable, all right, just as I walked into the auditorium. And I laughed when I heard that. I said, wow, they're going to think that I uh, got this message already. But it was already loaded up the computer and everything, and so it was good to go before that was said. But uh, are you replaced? We're going to uh, look at that thought tonight. Let me ask you a question. Is being replaceable a good thing? It can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, all right? Uh, a lot of times we want to, we, we, in our jobs, we say, you know what, I want to make, I want to be able to do something so well that nobody else can do it so that I'm irreplaceable. We hear that all the time. But in a church setting, this question right here, are you replaceable? If you, if the answer is no, that you're not replaceable, then there's a problem at First Baptist Church of Batoka. Because every one of us not only must be replaceable, we ought to be working on sharing what we know with the people around us so that we are easily replaceable. And uh, so tonight I'd like you to look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 34 at Moses and a couple of uh, aspects of his life as he dies and the uh, Lord brings Joshua onto the scene. In fact, jump forward with me to, uh, to Joshua chapter number one, just a page over or two pages over, depending on how long the intro is to your, to your cha uh, chapters in your, or to the books in your Bible. Look with me in verse number one. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, and so Moses is done. We're going to go back to Deuteronomy 34, just a chapter before this in a moment. We're going to look at what happens when he dies. The people are going to mourn for a while. But after all the mourning is done, this verse was brought to my attention a week ago at our pastor's fellowship, and I have to be honest with you, I didn't hear much of the rest of the sermon, all right, because of this verse. Look in verse number two. This is amazing to me. That God speaks to Joshua, and here's what he says in verse number two. Moses, my servant, is dead. You'd think he'd say something else about Moses, but he doesn't. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Look at the second phrase. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan. Joshua, get to work is what he said. He didn't tell him, hey, Joshua, you're on the job training. You, know, you figure this out. I'll give you some time. He said, Moses is gone. Get to work. And not only are you going to get to work, if you keep on going down in verse number two, it says, um, it says thou and all this people. So not only are you supposed to get to work, but you got to drag this whole crowd with you for the next few years as you fight your way into, into uh, Canaan, into the promised land. Tonight, I'd like you to look with me at that simple fact. Are you replaced? Well, let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word, and then we'll go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 34. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, gives out talents and abilities as he sees fit. Lord, would you help each of us to consider not only what those abilities and talents are, but are we looking for other folks? 
who we can share those abilities, other people who maybe have the same talents and abilities, and we can help them to hone those abilities to develop them for your service. So as we take this example of Moses and Joshua and developing the next generation of Christians, Lord, would you work in our hearts tonight? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can I tell you that standing here right now is one of the most difficult things I have done in the last 27 years? And that's simply because of this fact. Every day that I walk in the office doors down there, I am faced. See, he's still got three and a half more years before he has to face this. Every time I talk to Brother Jacob, I tell him, you know, two years. Back in, back in October, it was two years when this youth group is yours. Now I'm down to about uh, 17 months until this youth group is yours. And that is a daunting thought in my mind because... That's what God has called me to do, is to work with teenagers. It, it bothers me to say goodbye to them in the middle of a service like this and come down here, not because I'm coming down to talk to you, because that's where my heart is. But can I tell you this? That's, that change is going to happen. We, don't, we aren't con in control of whether change happens or not. Our bodies change all of the time. Our minds change. Our society changes. Things are going. Unless we are God, he tells us in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6, I am the Lord, I what? I change not. But you know what? Every one of us who are mortal human beings, we do change. It doesn't stay the same. Deuteronomy 34, verse 4. I'll tell you what, let's go back to Deuteronomy 34 and let's read a few verses here and then we'll come back to and we'll bring this point of change will happen. And Moses went up, I'm in verse number 1 of Deuteronomy 34, and Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, that's over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the uttermost, unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, this is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee, and now he swaps and is talking specifically to Moses. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. Why did Moses not go over thither? Because he sinned, okay? Um, God, God's in control of everything. Do you think it was a surprise when God said, speak to the rock, and Moses hit the rock? I don't think it was a surprise whatsoever. God knew what, no, what Moses' temper was like. He knew the frustration level was there. I don't know what God's ultimate plan was, but that was the reason that God gave Moses that he would not enter in. But think with me for just a second. As Moses goes up the mount there, and he is on, he's on the peak of, of Pisgah there, looking down and can see over the Jordan River and into all of that land, what's going on there. How old is Moses? 120 years old. Do you think it was horrible to Moses when he looked down there and he saw Jericho just across the river? And he saw those walls and the thickness and probably saw some of the chariots and soldiers on top of those walls. And maybe far off in the distance he could see Ai and some of the other cities there. Do you think it totally broke his heart when God said, you aren't going over there, you don't have to fight anymore? Probably the not going there, but probably not when he realized he wasn't going to have to fight anymore. As a Christian, are we scared with the fact of seeing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? 
I mean, we as a Christian are to go, and our, our responsibility, our task, is to do, the, do what God has for us here on this earth. But when our mission is accomplished and He doesn't need us anymore, there's nothing better than to see Him as our Savior. But sometimes we get so focused on what this world offers and a little bit more to our credit, and it becomes for my credit, not my Savior's credit. And God says, you know what? I'm going to bring you home because I'm going to let somebody else take the credit for that. Because if you look through the rest of this chapter, we're not going to read all the way down through it, but you look through the rest of it, and it, it says down in verse number um, 10, and there arose not a prophet since in, in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I imagine that as Moses looked off in that promised land, that there was some disappointment that he wasn't going to get to go there. But I imagine there was also just, just a smidge of relief that he didn't have to fight. That he didn't have to go. In fact, his age was to the point where they had just they had some some battles before. Somebody had to help hold his arms up. Now the Bible does say here that his eyesight was still good, that his mind was still good, but his body was a little bit weary. Even if he had all his strength, he was weary. God said, "Moses, you're not going to go into there. You and I have to understand whether we want to or not. Change." is going to come. But not only change will change come, change is God-directed. Sometimes we think change is a mistake. We think that change is something that happens because we sinned or, or we think that change because somebody else made a mistake. And sometimes it is. But understand that more, more often than not in our life, change is a matter of God redirecting us, putting us in a different direction. Look down what it says, and uh, if you take your Bible over with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12, because God just told him, and uh, while you're turning over there, let me rehash in Deuteronomy 34, verse number 4, the Lord said, I've caused thee to see it with thine hand, but thou shalt not go over. Moses could have argued all he wanted to, but God was the one who said, Moses, you're not going to cross there. I set the rule. I set the boundary. You don't go across that. Go back with me to Philippians chapter number one, if you've got that. Here you've got Paul in prison, and as he's writing to the Philippian believers, he's talking about the bonds that he's in, he's talking about uh, the guards that are chained to him, everything that's going on in verse number 12. He says, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Did you catch in verse number 12? That the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Was it a mistake that Paul was in prison? No. It was part of what God's plan was him. Would Paul have chosen? Absolutely not. But he said, this is what God has, and God, it is God's directed by it. What was going on there in Philippians as Paul was sharing the gospel? What was happening? If you keep on going down in the next few verses, you'll find out that Paul says, you know what? The gospel is being preached, some out of envy and strife, some out of goodwill. He said, but it doesn't matter to me. In any instance, the gospel is being preached, and I, there do in re I, I therein do rejoice. He said that I understand that change happens. Change isn't always good for me. But when God directs the change, it's always good for his kingdom. It's always good for the church. So as God tugs at your heart, and maybe the body wears down a little bit, and God has a different ministry for you here at First Baptist Church of Atoka, 
Can I ask you this question? What do you do to invest yourself in other folks? They could be younger, they could be older, they could be the same age. But what are you doing to invest yourself and to train and to help other people and to pull them alongside so that when you aren't able to, or God has something else for you, you're willing, you, uh, there's a replacement. There's two situations. Sunday morning, Pastor Williams, I get a phone call. Uh, Pastor, I'm sick, not going to be able to teach my Sunday school lesson today. Option number one is that there's an assistant teacher. And we say, have you talked to your assistant? Yeah, I have. They're going to cover my class. Everything's set. Option number two, I don't have an assistant teacher. Oh, then we've got to put, let the ushers know. We've got to put signs on the doors, and everybody has to go into another class, and you hear grumbling as people go into the other classes because they don't get their rate. What's the difference? The difference is one, one class has an assistant. The other class doesn't have an assistant. One has worked to bring somebody else along. One doesn't, hasn't found that person yet. Can I tell you this? Maybe you're the person that needs to come alongside someone else and volunteer and raise your hand and say, hey, you know what? I really don't want to teach. I really don't want to do this right here, but God just keeps tugging me and I'm willing to learn. And he may change my heart in that direction. Change is often God-directed. This one right here is obvious to us. Change can cause distress. Be back in Deuteronomy chapter 34. Look down with me in verse number 8. The Bible says, And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Change causes distress. Even planned change is difficult. When a child grows up and moves out of the house, there's some rejoicing, and then there's some not-so-rejoicing. When Nathaniel went off to college five years ago for the first time, we were, everything was good. We were glad he wanted to be out of the house. We were glad for him to be off at college until the first time that Christy counted out and set the table for six people. And I said to her, I said, hey, babe, me and you, Madeline, Susanna, and Aiden, it's only five. And she looked at that sixth plate. And you know what she did? She started bawling. And she cried for the next 24 hours or so. I mean, just on and off because change is good. But sometimes it hurts. I was talking to Pastor today. Got a phone call or got a text from Madeline. And it said this. I am officially Madeline Elizabeth Pitt. She had, she's on spring break. And so she was able to go to the Social Security office and got it changed. Aiden teased her all about it. And he said, oh, man, that's a horrible name. And she said, what's wrong with it? He said, I'm talking about Madeline. He said, there ought to be something else. But when she sends that, daddy's heart just kind of wrenches just a little bit when that's said. See, change causes distress. Acts chapter 10, if you'll go over there with me, verse number 13, you've got the change from the gospel being for the Jews to the Gentile, to where now it is open to all of the world. You don't have to become a Jewish proselyte to get saved. And there in, Luke, in Acts chapter 10, Get on with me to verse number 13, if you would, please. But as the Holy Spirit is speaking to Peter there, and uh, he's, you know, he, Peter sees the vision of the uh, sheet come down and with all those animals, unclean animals there, and Peter, as a good Jew, says, I'm not going to touch any of those things. And the Holy Spirit tells him down verse number 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
Peter, change is coming out here. I'm giving you symbolism that the gospels to everybody. And uh, verse number 14, but Peter said, not so, Lord. How many times have we said that? Not so, Lord. Don't be, let this happen in my life. I don't want to deal with this one, God. Stop just a second and think of the audacity for us to look in the face of our God and say, not so, Lord. When he wants to change something in our life. When he wants to move us inside of our church or outside our church to another church. He wants to move us at our job or move us inside of our job. He wants to move something, change something in our family. And we, our first initial thought is not so, Lord. Please don't let it happen. Verse number 15, and the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. In other words, Peter, I'm God. If I want to change it, you go with the change. You don't tell me that I'm wrong. Don't sell me. Not, don't tell me not so, Lord. Here's why. Because God's work must continue. Go back with me to Deuteronomy and Joshua again there and look with me and uh, we have already read that verse, but verse number chapter 1 of Joshua, verse number 2, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them. See, here's the thing. Even though Moses was gone, the work had to continue on. Somebody had to get the people and take them across the Jordan River. And you're, you're very familiar with the stories. Uh, it wasn't a simple task. I mean, what we, what we've got the stoppage now of Moses' life. We've got the 30 days of mourning that they go through. And then we've got them. God says, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. Arise, you and the people. What happens when they get down to the river? What do they find? What is it? The time of year. What's going on with the river? It's flooded. It's all back up. We've, we've been down to see the Mississippi River this time of year or maybe a little bit later when the rains uh, continue to pick up. And you go down to the bridge and you start to look across and you don't see the edge of it. Brother Lance's shop over there, they have, they're glad for that little berm there, and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't hold up very well, and they get flooded over on that side. Or you get down to Front Street, and it's flooded all the way up to, to the street there, okay? Because the river, and the people are looking there, and they're saying, wait a minute, time out. We often look at that, and we say, oh, well, you know, they're just trusting the God. Listen, their leadership has just, has just changed over. They've got no reason to trust Joshua. Zero. Other than the fact that God said, Joshua, you're the next one in command. God's work has to continue. It can't stop. And so we've got to be willing to stand. Oh, but we say, no, but Pastor Taylor, I'm just not a teacher. I'm not a musician. Pastor Taylor, I, I, my ministry is saying amen as Pastor Williams preaches. You know, that's my, that's my ministry. Wait a minute. Didn't Peter... Just say, not so, Lord, and the Holy Spirit said, don't you do that to me. Don't you tell me no when I tell you something has changed. See, the ministry must continue. We've got upstairs, college and career kids, good crew of them. Upstairs on the other end of the hall, the teenagers. Spring break, and there's still probably 18 or 19 of them there, and we've got a bunch missing. Down this wing right here and down in this section and across here, we've got the first through sixth graders, the kindergartners, and the, and the uh, nursery. Can I tell you this? First Baptist Church of Atoka isn't just for those of us in here right now. 
Our job is to continue to teach these young ones what God wants. But can I just let you know that oftentimes we'll bring up an adult and a prayer request in here in the teens and we'll say, hey, you know what? The uh, so-and-so, we need to be praying for them. They're in the hospital. And the teenager, they look at me and their head kind of goes sideways and they go, huh, who's that? No, we can blame them all we want to. All right? But feet work both directions. You know where they sit. Back row right over there. Sometimes they make their way up to the middle. Our college and career, we've got a fantastic group of college and career right now that want to serve God. They're busy. Some of you have served as mentors for some of them. Brother Doug got that all set up, and it worked well for a while, and they got busy, and they moved on, and you know what? We can't give up on them. We've got to continue to push forward. Justin Ivey came in today to bring something to the church. And I had seen something about his birthday, and so Brother Jacob said, hey, Justin, are you having your birthday? And uh, Justin said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, it is. I said, is it 29, Justin, or what is it? He said, no, it's 30. It's that big one. <laughs> he, said, and he said, I was really sad that I was getting that old. He's talking to me. He said, I was really sad about getting that old. He said, but you know, I was talking to Miss Christie, and she reminded me that when we came to the church, you guys were that old. So thanks, Justin. Make me, make me feel really old. I really appreciate that, all right? But can I tell you this? we got a young guy who is leading the choir, doing a good job. He is. Hey, thank you for all of you who are still in the choir that haven't, haven't gotten said, you know what, I'm not doing it anymore. Thank you for being up there on a regular basis. That's how we work. That's how we encourage them as they start to take over some of these other ministries. God's work must continue. What would have happened if Moses gets up to Pisgah and he looks down and he looks all around and God says, Moses, you're not going to make it across that Jordan River. And Moses said, well, God, what's going to happen now? And instead of God saying, I've got a guy picked all out that you've been training, God just says, I don't know, Moses, I guess the people are just going to stand on this side of the Jordan River. That's the end of it. Can I tell you that happens to too many churches across our country right now? It discourages pastors and assistant pastors when they can't find church people to fill in all the spots that need to be filled in because the older folks have gotten uh, to the point where maybe they, they can't be at church on a regular basis, maybe they got health stuff going on, but they haven't trained the younger people or they haven't encouraged them. Can I tell you, it's one of the most exciting things I see is to walk into church on a Sunday morning and that vestibule full of people, especially when it's full of all kinds of different age groups. You see, that's God's work must continue, and that's you investing yourselves in what God wants to do here in Tipton County, Tennessee, through, through uh, First Baptist Church of Atoka. What a blessing to be part of that. And Moses had invested himself, and he had trained Joshua. Training has to occur, the fifth thing that I wanted you to see. I'll tell you what, before we finish that, God's work must continue. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, if you would. Paul, again, writing to the Corinthian people, says this, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. 
And under the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law. And catch this little parentheses, because a lot of times we'll say, oh, you know what? You can do whatever you need to as long as you can reach people. And Paul puts in this little, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. Paul was not willing to break any of God's commandments, any of God's principles in order to reach the people around him. But within God's principles, he said, I'll do whatever I need to. Pick back up with me there in the middle of verse number 21. That I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. It's this idea that if I always have to do it my way, I have to, have to stay the same way that I am. I can't talk to anyone who's not like I am. I don't want to invest my, my time into something that someone's not like me. I'm not going to be able to reach those peoples. Again, we're not talking about changing the principles that First Baptist Church has been founded on biblical principles. I'm talking about taking my personality and setting it aside just a little bit so that I can reach all people. You say, well, Pastor Taylor, my, my, I just, I don't like young people. I don't care. I don't care. Go spend time with them. Through the years, I could probably give you a pretty good sized list of young people I don't like either, okay? <laughs> I could probably give you a list of middle aged people I don't like and old people I don't like. But God's placed us all inside this body to work together. Right. And you've got to set aside those personality differences and conflicts. That's what blows churches apart. Somebody sits in that side and somebody sits on that side and the person on that side can't stand the person on that side over there and so they won't ever talk to them or they'll walk in and listen. Pastor, I sit on the pulpit. I've watched it before. I've watched people come in here, look through the back door to see if so-and-so was here and they turn around and go back out. It hasn't happened very often, but I've seen it a couple times. And your heart breaks because so-and-so. Teenagers are the worst. Okay, here's a sign-up list for the activities. You know how many, who signs the list the first time around? Nobody. All right, raise a hand. Who's going to go on the activity? One person raises their hand. Another person, they start all looking around, and then all of a sudden you see, oh, this hand goes up, and then this hand goes up, and then this hand goes up. They aren't going to go without their friends going. They're not going to grow as a Christian without their friends helping them along, pushing them along so they can accomplish God's will. And Paul said, I'm going to become all things to all men so that I might win some. And then that last verse, verse 23, I do for the gospel's sake. Not for his own aggrandizement, not because he likes to do it. But he says, I'm willing to set aside what I need to for the gospel's sake. And then the very last phrase, that I may be a partaker with you. He said, man, I want to be part of the big program. I want to see everything that God's got in store for us. I don't want anything to be lacking because I wasn't willing to go outside my comfort zone, outside my little box. I'm willing to do whatever I need to to reach people because God's got big plans. And so that's what Moses had done. He had trained Joshua. Go back with me to, Exodus, to Joshua chapter uh, 34. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 34. I wrote the wrong thing in my notes. Deuteronomy chapter 34, where our passage is there. 
Look down with me in verse number, um, well, verse number five. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. Verse six, uh, and God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab. Nobody knows where a sepulcher was even to the time this was written. Moses was 120 years old. His eye was not dimmed. His natural force wasn't abated. He was still a forceful leader. Uh, verse number eight, the, we read that one already. The children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. The mo days of mourning are done. And verse number nine. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? Why was Joshua, the son of Nun, full of the spirit of wisdom? The 30 days gets done, and Joshua says, All right, folks, our 40 years wandering in the wilderness is done. Moses has passed away. We have no idea where his body is. But God said that we're going across the Jordan River. And they look across. I'm sure they've, as they've been there for these 30 days, uh, sitting around mourning Moses, that they've seen the situation. And Joshua, in verse, in verse number 9, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For. That little word right there, for. It's the reasoning why he was full of the spirit of wisdom. It says, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. Moses had trained him. When Moses goes back to get the Ten Commandments, you find Joshua at the base of the mountain. He couldn't go all the way up with him. You find Moses over, I'm sorry, you find Joshua over and over again with Moses training. Now listen, Joshua wasn't able to do the things that Moses was able to do. Joshua had to be patient. He had to wait. While Moses is up talking to God, Joshua's sitting down at the bottom of the mountain, you know, twiddling his thumb, saying, Moses, hurry up, all right? Get this conversation over with. But he was patient. He waited. And he learned the whole time. He didn't forsake it. He didn't quit. He didn't say, this is too difficult. I can't handle it. He said, by God's grace, I'll do it. And Moses had laid hands on them. Down, then continuing on, verse number nine. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him. They saw that he'd been taught by Moses. They saw that he had a spirit of wisdom. And they said, you know what? We're going to listen to this guy. He's making sense here. And besides that, keep on going. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. He didn't change the fundamentals. He kept it going the way that it was before. And because they had faith in Moses and Joshua said, you know what? We're not going to change. We're going to change locations. We're not going to stay in the wilderness anymore. We're going across the river. We're going to Jericho. We're going on to the other cities. We're changing locations, but we're going to do exactly what God told Moses. We're not changing the basis of what's going on around here. And so the people hearkened him and they listened to him. And then you've got in verse number 10, you've got a description of Moses that we read earlier. Joshua wasn't Moses. There wasn't a prophet like Moses again. Nobody to talk face to face with God like that. In fact, in just a few chapters, you get up to Joshua chapter 4 and 5 with the battle plans being made for Jericho. And as you do that, Joshua goes out to make his battle plans and a pre-incarnate Christ comes and talks to him. And you know what Joshua's answer was? Who are you? Are you for us or for our enemies? That means he hadn't had those conversations, those face-to-face -face conversations with God that Moses had. It was all new to him. He hadn't fought those battles before. He hadn't had to lead the people before. But he said, you know what? I've got to push forward because God's work must continue. And training has to happen, but understandably, training can't cover everything. First, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, we're all familiar, familiar there where Paul says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, 
who shall be able to teach others also. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that passage that deals with uh, uh, speaking in tongues and how everybody wanted to be able to speak with tongues. And Paul puts it this way in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 19. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my, by my voice I might teach others also. And he goes on and says, you know, but I have spoken in tongues and, you know, I'm grateful for all these things. But he said, here's the thing. I want to teach others also. I'm going to invest my life. If I were to ask you tonight, the responsibilities that you have here at church, the things that you do on a regular basis, ministry, you ever drag anybody along with you? You ever snag someone who sits in the pew and just comes on Sunday mornings and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to, next Sunday, would you be here for whatever, Sunday school or whatever? Would you hang out with me? I want to show you what I'm doing here. Next time we have a fellowship, would you come, rather than us just having people raise their hand who's going to help in the kitchen or whatever, do you grab somebody and say, hey, would you come help in the kitchen? Would you, do you go out, we make a plea all the time for people to be in the choir. When was the last time you went and grabbed somebody and said, hey, I'll be here at the choir at 5 o'clock tonight. Why don't you be, come with me? And when they say no, you say, okay, I'll ask you again next week. And when they say no, you say, I'll ask you again next week. You see, sometimes that's what exactly what it takes. We say, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. If we as First Baptist Church of Atoka and you as an individual Christian are going to make an impact on the lives of people, you have to get more involved in their lives. People call love, T-I-M-E, time. We don't call and check on people. We don't show an investment in their life. All we see is on Sunday mornings. And I know we got all kinds of excuses. Well, that person would do more than just show up for Sunday morning services, you know. They, they, they're missing so much when they're not here for Sunday night and when they're not here on Wednesday night. They're not getting the full gamut of the ministry of First Baptist Church of Shilka. You're right, they're not. They're missing out on so much. Well, but they choose to miss it, so let's take it to them. Let's take that personal service to them. We got a wonderful thing now. Uh, but Pastor Barrett has gotten his set. Pastor Williams and I have been talking for a long time trying to get podcasts of the services. He's just got it set up. If you have a phone and you say, well, I don't know, I listen to the radio in the car. Some of you have new enough cars that you can, you can hook Bluetooth in. There's church podcasts on there. You can tell your friends about it. If they go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, any of the main ones on whatever thing, you can look at First Baptist Church of Atoka. Sometimes it's hard to find, but you'll eventually find it, and you can download every one of the sermons that we've had for the last two weeks, and Brother Jacob's doing a good job keeping that going around. Wonderful opportunity. Everybody's got one of those things on them. Hey, you don't even have to hand a CD out. You don't have to hand a tape that they lose. It's on their phone. Hey, why don't you, my pastor preached such and such a sermon last week, you know? It, that'd be good. Let me help you. I'll help you find that on, on the podcast, and uh, you can pick it up and listen to it, you know? What a wonderful opportunity. Investing ourselves. Trusting has to happen. I'm sorry, training has to happen so that those people can learn for themselves. Trusting in God. You go back with me to Joshua Chapter number one, if you would. Joshua chapter number one. And right after <clears throat> that, uh, God says, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. In verse number two, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. Verse number three. 
Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said to Moses. He had just done that back in, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, when Moses up on the top, he pointed all out to him, that's the land I've given to them. But now Joshua's the one who has to put the feet on the ground. He's the one that has to drag the other people in there to, to lead them in there. Verse number five, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And then catch this next phrase in verse number five there. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Listen, Joshua did not equal Moses. You just read in Deuteronomy 35 that there was, there was not a prophet again, ever again like Moses. But then God says to Joshua, but just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. You see, we may not be equal to those who have come before us. The people that come behind us may or may not be equal with us, but can I tell you this? The same God that's with you is with them. The same God that was with the person that taught you will be with you. So I, I ask you all that simple question again. Are you replaceable? If you needed a replacement to finish your ministries here at First Baptist Church of Atoka, are you replaceable? Or would there be a gap when you left? You see, that's what it is. We ought to be pushing forward to keep First Baptist Church of Atoka, to keep the kingdom of Christ strong today, tomorrow, next year, and in years to come. And it's not going to happen magically. And we can't just leave it to the kids. We've got to blaze a trail before them. We've got to be hard at work witnessing, sharing the gospel, showing them what it's like, grabbing them along, encouraging them, say, come with me while I do this ministry. Those who are just have joined church recently, and listen, we've had younger people, middle-aged people, and older folks join the church recently. And we come alongside them and try to get them into the full ministry of First Baptist Church of Atoka and the ability to reach people for Christ. Are you replaceable? Well, yes, you should be replaceable. But are you? Are you working on the person that's going to replace you so that maybe God has bigger and better things for you to do? But until you find someone to fill your spot, you can't move on to those bigger and better things. I hope that God will encourage each of us to be looking to invest our lives in people so that we can be an encouragement to them so that they will be more involved in ministering for Jesus Christ. That's that idea of not just doubling ourselves, but multiplying ourselves exponentially as we invest ourselves in others and what God has for, for them and for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your time, uh, the time that you've given us in your word tonight. Thank you for the command and the example that we have here at the end of Deuteronomy and the beginning of Joshua of how a transition in ministry and transition in any area of ministry ought to happen we ought to be looking for people that we can pull alongside us and say, you know, I'm involved in the usher's ministry. I'm involved in, in uh, uh, nursery. I'm involved in children. I'm involved in kitchen. I'm involved in visitation. I'm involved in, in uh, visiting the shut-ins. Or what, all the different ministries that we could match. I'm involved in teaching. And pull somebody alongside and sometimes even halfway against their will, encourage them time and time and time again. Be like... Uh, that lady who, who, because of her importunity, her request was granted because she just wouldn't quit, Lord. Help us have a desire to see other people involved in 
the work of the ministry, but also in the joys of the ministry. And as Paul said back there in the, the book of Acts, Lord, or the book of Corinthians, that he said he wanted to be a partaker thereof with all these people that he was leading to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.